Welcome to the Solomon's Porch Podcast, the podcast from the worship experience of Solomon's Porch at Valdosta First United Methodist Church. We want you to be encouraged and inspired in your faith journey. So sit back and relax, unless you're driving or using heavy machinery, and enjoy. Groups that are a little smaller, so we can just all get together. Although here you look like you can each have your own pew. Uh, so anyhow, it's great to be, I hope Thanksgiving was good for you. Um, you know, it isn't for everybody. That's one of, the, one of the hard things to remember for those of us who are happy, that these happy times are often the saddest times for people who are unhappy. And that's, uh, so we always ought to remember to uh, be gracious and extend kindness and to live thank you. Uh, because when we live gratitude, it helps bring out the Spirit of Christ and helps other people see the Spirit of Christ in us. Next Sunday is going to be a lot of fun. By the way, thank you, Emily, for reminding us about those. If you haven't picked up one of the uh, uh, Caring Christmas gifts there, do that. That's just going to bless somebody. You know, one of the things that I like about the way that this is done is we don't give it to them. Rather, it goes to uh, through, I think, through GFACs and then they give it to the parents, so the parents give it to the kids. You know, it's not us being uh, somehow stepping into the parents' role. We're helping the parents. We're coming alongside them so that uh, this can be a special Christmas for their kids. Next Sunday, uh, as soon as we're done here, and I, I know Shannon will probably want to end this service just a little early because at 1030, you, you have enough time to just rush over to the sanctuary. At 1030, we have our nursery nativity, which is always a blessing and always hysterical uh, to see the, the little kids uh, up there doing their stuff. And then at five o'clock in the afternoon, our children and youth are doing their um, musical presentation. So it's just gonna be a great day. But today's a great day. And I'm glad that you're here and I'm glad that God has brought us together. Uh, I was with you a few weeks ago and I, I'm doing just two parts of a three-part series that I, I did before, and I've just picked out two of them to do here. Uh, Shannon had given me a book called Love, Acceptance, and Forgiveness. So I picked out Love and Acceptance to do, uh, although I did the third one uh, over in the sanctuary. But what I wanted to do today is to pick up on this uh, idea of acceptance and see how we can live into this. Because it's, it's confusing and complex and not always easy to do, but it's something we're all called to do. So let me start by telling you about one of my favorite funerals. I don't know if you're meant to have favorite funerals. <laughs> you know, I, I don't mean to, be, uh, to dishonor anything, but this one I did three weeks after I moved to Macon. You know, I didn't... I just moved, didn't know anybody, and there was a lady in the church, I didn't know her, but her brother died. So she asked me, since he didn't have a church, if I would do his funeral. Well, the guy was a biker, you know. They drove Harleys, and everybody just called him Hoghead. You know, he rode the hogs, and so... Uh, Probably the only time I've ever done this in a few, I just called him Hoghead, you know, in the, in the fu funeral because everybody else called him Hoghead, you know. Uh, and it was so interesting. It was held at the funeral home, which had a center aisle. 
And it was amazing. I never have seen anything quite like it. One side, suits, ties, dresses. The other side, jeans, t-shirts, no bras. You know, I mean, it was just a, it was a really unique kind of a gathering there. But what was really cool about Hoghead is both of these groups really loved this guy. He found a way to bridge the gap, and both of these groups really cared about him. Well, I told you already, I didn't know the guy, so I, it's always hard to do funerals in those kind of contexts. I was talking with my son as we were riding along, and Joshua said, you know, Dad, sometimes you invite people in the congregation, just you know, stand up and just say something real short, favorite memory or whatever, and I thought, well, I'll just take that as a word from the Lord. So I invited them to do that. Well, the main biker dude, you could tell he was the head of the whole clan. He was there dressed just like everybody else, but he had a sport coat on and was as uncomfortable as he could be. I mean, you could tell this guy had not seen a sport coat before. And so he was just wriggling and worming through the whole thing. And when I told him they could say something, he just, he stood up. And he said, you mean we can just say anything we want to? I saw my life flash before my eyes, but there wasn't anything really to do then. So I just sort of nodded at him. And I'll never forget what he said. I'm, I'm going to quote it to you. He said, well, Hoghead was a great guy, and hell, I don't know what else to say. And he sat down. That was all I could do to keep from bursting out laughing. I thought, this is great. So here's the deal. What do you do when you have this interesting, eclectic gathering? Well, it's the only time in my life I have ever gotten into the funeral procession, and we had the lead car and then the hearse, and I was there behind it, and then behind me were about 30 Harleys. And then the cops were behind them, which I thought was sort of appropriate. But anyway, it was very interesting. When we got out to the cemetery, you know, I guess most of us have been to graveside, you know, kind of things. It's always very brief. Well, I'm telling you, while I was on the way out there, I don't know what it was I had planned to do, but God said, forget it. And here's what God said to me. You have a bunch of folks who are going to be here who probably will never darken the door of the church. I want you to tell them how much God loves them. And I've already told you the first reason is because probably a lot of, a lot of them would never go to church because they think church people don't want us. You know what the second reason is? There are a lot of church people who don't want them. So, I just, you know, I'd already said whatever it was I had to say about Hoghead. And so I just said, you know, y'all, we're gathered here to remember that this isn't the end. That God loves every one of us. And I want you to know how much God loves every one of you. Matter of fact, he loves you so much that he didn't want you or me or any of us left separated from God. And so he made a way for us to be forgiven of our sins and to be brought back into a right relationship with God. And he did that through Jesus. And I just told him the simple story of the gospel about how Jesus died on the cross for our sins so we could be forgiven and be made 
right with God. And all we had to do was to ask God and he would help us step into a brand new life. Well, which brings us to our passage for today in Romans 15. So let's just take a quick look at this. It's a really interesting passage. Romans is one of those like uh, books that has so much in it. And towards the end of the book, Paul just gets so practical. In the first part of the book, he sort of talks about the why and about what God's done. And the last half, he says, so here's how we really ought to live. And boy, I mean, this is just as as practical as can be. We who are strong must be considerate of uh, those who are sensitive about things like this, things he was talking about before, uh, about uh, some people think one way and another about like eating food that had been presented to idols and so on. Anyway, but he says, we must not just please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't live to please himself, as the scriptures say, the insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. Such things were written from uh, written in the scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, Say the next word with me. Accept. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. He also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. That's what the psalmist meant when he wrote, for this I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. Hmm. I have a really good friend, one of my dearest friends, whose uh, daughter is a lesbian. And um, she uh, and her partner wanted to adopt. And so they adopted, they're, they're white, and they adopted an African-American child. So, church of God, what do we do with that? (laughs) You know, life is complicated, isn't it? I'll tell you what we need to do with that child. We need to baptize that child, love that child, and welcome that child in the family of God. That child didn't make any of these choices. We're going to love that child. You know what? We're going to love those parents too. Now, here's a good time for us to remember something that Jerry Cook put in his book. He's got three statements here. And this is it really, I hope this is as helpful to you as it has been to me. He says, love is not license. So when we say we love people, that doesn't mean we you know, agree with everything that they do. Acceptance is not agreement, and forgiveness is not compromise. See, a lot of people mistake that, and I don't have time to preach the the third in the series about forgiveness, but a lot of people say, I can't forgive them. That's like saying what they did was okay. 
That's not true. In fact, real forgiveness says what you did was wrong. I know that, you know that, but I choose to forgive you anyway. See, that's, that's what the, that whole message about forgiveness is about. But how do we deal with this whole issue of acceptance? Boy, this is, this is a tough one because we're in a world where there are so many complicated things that are going on, and sometimes it is just hard to know what to do. But um, if you were here a few weeks ago when I preached the first uh, part of this, I told about a pastor who had committed adultery, and he lost his church, uh, he lost his marriage, and he ended up marrying the woman that he was having adultery with. They had a had a little child 18 months had happened since this all came down and he asked one day he called up Jerry Cook who was a pastor who wrote this book and he asked him can I come to your church and Jerry says yeah I mean why would you even ask and he said well I have gone to some churches and when the ushers recognized me they turned me away at the doorstep and other churches uh, pastors called me before I even came and asked me not to come and he said, the last church my wife and I went to about a month ago, uh, I was in the worship service, the pastor recognized me, asked us from the pulpit to get up and leave. And he said, I, you know, we just can't take this anymore, and I just wanted to call and see if we could come to church. And Jerry Cook said, man, I'll meet you at the front door, and you will be welcome in our church. Now, I told you that part of the story before but here's the second half of it the week after that pastor and his new wife had come to the church um, the Jerry Cook got lots of phone calls people who were mad do you know who was there I can't believe you let that guy in here and here's what one of the people who was irate said to him you ready for this he said great now our church will be known as the kind of church where every broken down pastor and everybody struggling, struggling with immorality will know they're welcome. And Jerry Cook said, praise the Lord. Now listen, something is wrong with us if we think that this is some sort of a, a society of all of us spectacular perfect people. I mean, that's just not true. And here's what I want you to, to hear. The church is not a fortress to keep unsavory people out. It's a hospital to let all of us sinners in so that God can heal us through Jesus Christ. Sometimes we forget that. Listen, we are who we are only because of what Jesus has done for us. We are no better than anybody else. And if we ever think about closing the door to keep somebody else out, you know what we're doing? That same door shuts us out of God's grace too. I mean, we are people who all stand in need of the grace of God. So, here's what I want to say about Jesus. Jesus had this incredible quality of being able to accept all kinds of people and in fact Jesus got lots of criticism because he accepted the kind of people nobody else wanted to accept you know they, they criticized him said he hang out you know hangs out with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and all this kind of stuff well um, 
here's what Jesus had to say when he got that kind of criticism. He said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And the subtext under that is, and all there are are sinners. <laughs> it's just all of us sinners, and Christ has come to make a, a way for us to come home. So I want to tell you about something I saw, and for all I know, some of you may have seen this. It was a, a movie, you know, one of the Jesus movies that comes out periodically or, you know, it was on TV. And they did something interesting with the story of the woman caught in adultery. You, you remember that story about, you know, how they bring this woman and, you know, ask Jesus, should we stone her? That's what Moses said we should do. And put Jesus in a really bad place, you know, because if Jesus says, yeah, stone her, they'll say, ha, see, some compassionate guy you are. And if Jesus says, no, let her go, say, hey, you're not keeping the law of Moses. So, you know, put Jesus in this awkward position. But Everybody who makes a movie or TV show about this, you know, anything with Jesus, you got to take the story and kind of set it, how would you set it up in a film? And, you know, I started reflecting back because they did something really interesting with this. In most of the films I've seen about it, there's this circle with a woman in the middle. But in, I, you know, as I'm looking back, and I, I may be wrong about this, but in most of them, it seems to me, Jesus is kind of part of the circle. And they ask Jesus the questions, and, you know, he gives the answer and so on, now, which is, all right, go ahead and stone her. Oh, but let him who is without sin throw the first stone. Of course, they all drop their stones and leave. But in this particular one, I thought the filmmaker did something so interesting. When they brought her to Jesus, they set her, uh, think of a sort of a, a depression, you know, this, this deep, N not a hole, but just a, a low spot in the ground, maybe about eight or 10 feet around. And, you know, they bring this woman and push her, and she winds up down in the middle of this, and everybody's ringed around this hole. And here's what I love about what they did here. Jesus jumps in the hole with her. And I thought, how cool is that? Because in that rendition, a way of looking at it, if they were going to stone her, guess who else went down? You talk about taking acceptance to the next level. That did it. And Jesus jumped on in with her, and he loved her. Now, notice, here's what we need to be really careful because this is really hard but Jesus accepted her and then Jesus said to her who condemns you and she says nobody they've all laughed and he says well I don't condemn you either go and sin no more now Jesus accepted her and then called her to holiness of life okay now listen to me church this is really hard for all of us you can't do that backward You gotta accept them and love them first. And then there's a call to holy living. Those two are not opposed to each other. If we say, okay, you either gotta accept them or call them to holy living, we're not listening to the Bible. Because Jesus finds a way to do that. For instance, uh, they just, everybody hated tax collectors. We still do. <laughs> anyway, you know, and Jesus would go and hang out with tax collectors and eat with them, and, you know, everybody's saying, what are you doing? With Jesus even called one of them to come and be a disciple. So he says, I love you and accept you, but why don't you leave your old life behind? 
and come follow me. This is the unique thing that Jesus was able to do. He was able to accept people and call them to holy living. Acceptance doesn't mean agreement. Now, let's just be clear here. Uh, while we're trying to work through this, it doesn't mean that everybody always receives it that way. Because there'll be some folks saying, no, if you don't agree with me, then you don't really accept me. But we do just accept them anyway, love them anyway, and try and help uh, the grace of God to flow. But we can't be responsible for other people's responses, but we sure can be responsible for our own choices. So Jesus comes, and uh, you know, he, he, Jesus always threw people off, church people, us, because he came to one, well, a guy came to him and said, you know, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus says, well, what do you think it is? And, and the guy says, uh, well, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor like yourself. Jesus said, that's good, go do it. The guy's thinking, oh, bummer, I got trapped into that one. He says, uh, well, you know, but who's my neighbor? And then Jesus tells a story about the Good Samaritan. Now the guy gets mugged and he's left there for dead and two church types come by and they don't help him. And then this Samaritan comes by and he helps him out. And Jesus says, okay, now which one was the neighbor? And he says, well, I guess the guy who helped him. He couldn't even say Samaritan. It would be, to give us a kind of context for this, it would be like Jesus going to a Ku Klux Klan meeting and telling the story about the good black man. People would say, there is no such thing. See, and that's what Jesus has this remarkable way of doing, is he says, um, actually, yeah, you know, when we're called to accept and love people, we don't get to exclude anybody. Somebody sent me a little uh, cartoon, shows Jesus teaching to the crowds, and on it, it says, uh, Jesus is speaking, you know, and he says, love your enemies and pray for those who hate you. And then you hear a response from the crowd, and it says, yeah, but what if they're Muslims? And the next frame shows Jesus coming back saying, okay, let, let's try this again from the beginning. Let me know where I lost you. Love your enemies. Pray for those who hate you. You know, we don't get to exclude folks. We are called on to love them. Now, remember, love doesn't mean license. Doesn't mean we say, oh, yeah, I love you. You can do anything you want to. Acceptance doesn't mean agreement. And forgiveness doesn't mean compromise. But Jesus calls us to live into this whole idea of walking in acceptance and learning to love people and then call them into a right relationship with themselves. It's, it's like the old song. I, I wonder if any of you have, do you remember the old one, Trust and Obey? You know, it's not just trust. And it's not just obey. It's trust and obey. So it's not just love God or love people. It's love God and love people. And so we're called on to love God and we're called on to live in holiness of life. Um, let's, let's be clear here. There are a lot of people in our time who want to be saved. Now listen, who want to be saved not from their sin, but in their sin. Yeah, I want God to save me, but I want to just go on living my same old life. We don't get that option. Let me give you a kooky example. Let's just say, I, I come to you and say, you know, I'm married to my precious Betty. <laughs> but you know, I'd really like to have a, 
a few other women too. And listen, it's just the way God made me. You're not going to buy that. And that's just hogwash. And don't anybody go out from here and say, well, I heard the preacher wanted some other women. I'm just using this as an example and and a silly one. But here's the thing. We so quickly can get caught up in this kind of uh, stuff where, well, it's just the way I feel. It's the way God made. I don't live by my feelings. The appropriate response to that ridiculous scenario I gave you is, Bob, it really doesn't matter how you feel. God has called you, and it's clear in his word, you have one wife, and you are faithful to her for a lifetime. And God really doesn't care about your feelings. God doesn't care about my rights. You know why not? It's not that God doesn't care about us, but God just knows we can talk ourselves into every manner of kookiness that you can imagine. I mean, really. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. I mean, we can rationalize anything. That's why Jeremiah put, you know, there's a way that seems right to a person, but in the end it leads to death. We need to have a right way of living, and that right way comes from looking at God. Well, let me just close with a, a couple quick things uh, that Jerry Cook included in his book, a couple of stories. One he t- tells about, this is the kind of stuff that happens to preachers. You know, he goes into the courthouse for something or other, and waiting in the courthouse in the, in the room there uh, where he enters is this young couple who's been coming to his church. And this guy hollers out at him and says, hey, Pastor Jerry, uh, my wife and I have been living together for four years, but we decided we're going to get married, but we forgot to bring a witness. Would you sign for us? And the place fell dead silent, you know, as soon as you say the word pastor. So what do you do in a case like that? Well, Jerry said, great. I'm glad you all decided to get married, and I'm celebrating with you. I'd love to sign that thing. They knew he didn't agree with them living together, but they knew he accepted them and loved them, and so they were able to take that and bring that together in a way that enabled them to find that here was a guy who accepted them and called them to right living. It's a wonderful, simple thing that he did there. We so often think we have to defend you know, some sort of uh, you know, God's righteousness We do stand for God's righteousness, but we always have to start with accepting people and loving them the way they are. He told uh, another story about when he was a young guy um, and did summer work uh, in some warehouse. He said he worked with a guy named Charlie. Charlie was a great guy, but Charlie could not complete a sentence without cursing. I I know some people like that, and, you know, this was just one of those things. He just, you know, blankety this and that, and, you know, just this is the way he talked. Well, they uh, hung out together, worked together all, all during the summer. And at the, towards the end of the summer, um, Charlie said uh, to, to Jerry, he said, uh, you know, my wife just loves you. And Jerry wasn't quite sure where that was going. He said, I don't know that I've ever met her. He said, oh, no, no, you haven't. But she said, you know, since I've been hanging around you, my language has gotten better. 
And Jerry just concluded that little story by saying, you know, I kind of scratched back through my memory. I don't think I ever talked to him about his language or said, you know, why don't you clean it up or anything. But he said, I often talked about Jesus, you know, just in the course of the conversations that we'd have during the day. And somehow he knew that I loved him and that God loved him. And God was beginning to work some changes in his heart and life, beginning with his fruity language. So, I think maybe we end this by reminding ourselves of what Jesus said. I've not called to come to call. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And we remember all of us are sinners in need of God's grace. And then maybe we end with this. What do you think about our church? What if it became a place that every broken down preacher and everybody struggling with immorality and sin knew that they were welcome? What should we say to that? Praise the Lord. Let's be that kind of church when we're gathered and when we're scattered. Let's pray. Lord, some of this stuff is easier to talk about in this kind of context than it is to live out when we're just in our regular world. Some of us have a hard time getting along with people in our own homes. And then we run into all kinds of people, you know, in the course of our daily work and our uh, interactions with people wherever we go. But would you remind us that always we are called to be those who accept people and love people in the name of Jesus. And when we've been able to embrace people with our love, then we're able to call them to right living too. Because that's what you do for us. You teach us to trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Solomon's Porch Podcast. We hope you heard some good practical news in this episode that you can apply to your life. If you'd like, we'd love for you to review our podcast on iTunes and share it with your friends. You can also support our ministry by going to theporchvaldosta.com slash give. Until next time, stay classy, listening friends.